Can y'all hear me now? The, uh, but yeah, it's good. It's good. Amen. I'm not going to be coming out of a particular scripture this morning. We will be starting off in the book of Matthew chapter 15. So if you'll turn in the book of Matthew chapter 15, just put that index finger right there and just hold it through this entire service, if you will, because we will be coming back to it toward the end. Matthew chapter 15. Now this chapter starts off very unusual, very unusual. The Pharisees are jumping the apostles because they did not wash their hands. Now, I want to tell you something. I do believe in washing my hands. I think you ought to wash your hands. If you work with some of the folks I work with and do what we do, you better wash your hands, you know what I'm saying, before you eat. And most of you farmers in here do the same thing. You know what I'm talking about. But let me clarify something now. What kind of a fruitcake hangs around in the restroom to wait and see if you wash your hands. Now, if you do that, you've, you've, you're a very sick individual, and you need to go see a doctor. That's right. But that's what these people did, these Pharisees back in that day. Now, they were worried about their hands being clean. See, that's a Pharisee. A Pharisee is worried about the outside being clean and never concerned about the inside, never concerned about the inside, nor changing it. So Jesus is answering these Pharisees in the nice, calm, patient, low-toned voice that only the Son of God can. Look in verse 7. Ye hypocrites! Whew, it got quiet in here. Didn't it? I like that. Watch what he said. Well, did a, a size prophesy of you saying? Here's what he said about them. This people draweth nigh me out of their mouth. They honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Can we relate to that? Their heart is far from me. Now that's the difference between a Christian and being a religious Pharisee. The Pharisees will clean up your hands, the outside. Jesus was looking upon their heart. Salvation doesn't begin... With your hands, it begins with your heart. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And what God is showing us here is, is he is more interested in our heart being clean than he is our hands being clean. And he said, they honored me with their mouth and with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now watch what happens when somebody's heart is not in what they are doing. Look at verse 9. In vain they do worship me. Now, look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. He did not say they did not worship him. He said they worshiped him in vain. Amen? (laughs) We've got a riot out of it anyway. See, if your heart isn't what you're doing, it stinks in the nostrils of God. It's got to be more than lip service. It's got to come from within. And God said this crowd is worshiping me with their mouth. They're shouting hallelujah when the man of God is preaching. They're yelling glory when the man of God is reading from the Bible. But their heart is a thousand miles from God. And God said, when I look upon worship and it doesn't go any farther than the lip, it's vain. Now, that word vain, that's a very important four-letter word now. That's one of the good four-letter words we need to learn. You understand what I'm saying? It means unprofitable. It means wasteful. Watch this. 
It means weird. Some of you are weirdos and you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. It means to be considered wrong. Here's worshiping God. And he said it's wrong. That almost sounds like blasphemy, doesn't it? Now stay with me. I want to preach on an unusual subject this morning. I want to preach on the thought when it is wrong to worship God. We discussed a lot of that this morning. I love, have I said before I love Sunday school? Everybody ought to come to Sunday school. You'll get a blessing out of it, I guarantee you. Do you know that there are some times in the Bible when people want to worship God in a sincere way, but it's wrong? See, sincerity doesn't gain God's approval. Everything must be done according to the Scripture. Stay with me now. Don't, don't go to, like this liberal bunch, I want to fact check, I want to fact check, read your Bible sometime. You'll already know some of this stuff. God not only wants you to worship Him, He wants you to worship Him right. you got to do it in spirit, and it's got to be done in truth. That's right. Now let me show you some times you can worship God and it is unacceptable, and it's wrong. It's wrong to worship God when it leaves the next generation out of it. You remember in Exodus chapter 10? When Moses told Pharaoh, we want to go and worship God and sacrifice up in the mountains and in the wilderness. And Pharaoh says, sure, I don't have a problem with that. Get your sacrifices. Get your elders. Get your young couples, your married couples. Get up in the mountain and shout her out. Fine. But leave the youngsters here. Leave the teenagers here. God didn't approve of that. And Moses said, I cannot and I will not do that. See, Pharaoh wanted to, he, he wanted to start a ball club. He, he wanted to, to start some extracurricular activities. Let's play baseball, soccer, basketball, football, tennis, bocce ball, whatever that's going on nowadays. We're so involved year-round. Let's see if i got something on either side. I'll put stereo on here. We're so involved. We're more interested in a trophy than we are being spirit-filled. Guilty! I've done it. I'm guilty of it. But seeing the error of your ways is repentance. Leave the youngsters here. I want to leave them behind. There's something wrong with your worship when it only includes the elderly people and leaves the next generation out. And I've talked to many pastors. Many. Some of you have done the same. You hear from them when they preach a revival. They get so tired. People coming in, cell phones just ringing off the hook, deep, deep, deep. In the sanctuary, especially. They come in. Mom and dad sitting on the front. The youngsters come in, usually late, on their cell phone. 
texting and sending pictures from one side of the auditorium to the other to the friends. Not necessarily talking about this church. If you're guilty, say you're guilty. But a lot of churches, that happens. Many, many of them, it happens. I think you ought to take the cell phones away from your children when they're doing stuff like that, when they come into church service. Train up in the, a child the way they should go. What the Bible says. We want to obey the scriptures. We need to be very careful to get the next generation involved in worshiping the Lord. Somebody said, I like it when other people shout. Well, you ought to get involved yourself. Like when others do it, nothing. You ought to get involved in worshiping God. We ought to show the young people this is the way to live. Worship God. Don't be ashamed of it. We're more excited about God than we are a ball game. That's what we ought to be saying. We ought to be more excited about God because of an NASCAR race. We ought to be more excited about God than deer hunting. Good. Is deer season closed? Where's everybody? They must be cleaning up the camp or something. We ought to be more excited about God than we are duck hunting. Fish. A lot of folks around here love to fish. I tell you, it's wrong to worship God when it leaves the next generation out. Number two, it's wrong to worship God when you link it up with paganism. First Samuel chapter 5. <laughs> this is funny. The Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant. You remember this story? Y'all ever read that? It's a place where they could worship. And they took it down to Ashdod and put it in the temple Dagon. Now, Dagon, if you can believe it, <laughs> it was a god of fertility. It was a half man and half fish. It was a homosexual mermaid. Man, folks are nuts. They'll worship anything. I said a hobo fish! And they called it Dagon. And they had a temple erected in its memory in honor of it. Boy, I'll tell you the truth. They'll worship anything. I said a homo fish! Paganism! Paganism! Nothing but paganism! And here they bring in the ark of God... They, they bring in true worship and they put the ark of God next to the little fish. Now when the priests got up the next morning, put on their dresses, and they went to worship God, the little fish was off its pedestal. Now wouldn't that be exciting to worship a God that you have to go pick it up every morning and put it in its place? A little pink homo mermaid? <laughs> Boy, I tell you, you Goodness. And not only did it fall off its pedestal, its head and its hands were cut off. I believe this is what God is trying to tell us. I do want you to worship me, but you cannot mix real worship with paganism. I refuse to share my glory with anybody or anything. What did he say? I am a what? I am a jealous God. There is none other besides me. You better realize that, people. There is only way to, one way to worship God, and it has to be done the biblical way. This is why I cannot hug a Muslim and call him brother and worship God at the same time. 
That's paganism. Buddhist is paganism. All these other Middle East religions is paganism. And God said, if you're going to worship me, you cannot do it linking up and hugging on paganism. So watch yourself out there in this world. This world's a dangerous thing. Number three, God said worship is wrong when it leans on the flesh. Oh, we're getting close to home now. 1 Samuel chapter 15. The prophet Samuel goes to Saul, the king of Israel at this point. And he said, I want you to go fight the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites were the first ones that Moses encountered after crossing the Red Sea. So the Amalekites is a type of the flesh. You always run in trouble with the flesh when you're trying to serve God. Amen? Now Saul has been commanded by Samuel to go fight the flesh. And here's what he said. Saul said, God told me to tell. Samuel said, God told me to tell you, Saul. This is Samuel speaking. To kill every man. Every woman, every boy, every girl, all the livestock, don't leave nothing. You want to follow God's word? There's more to it than just one or two verses you want to read every now and then to impress someone with that lip service. You want to follow God? He said, wipe that crowd out. Because we're going to worship God when you get back and you cannot worship God if you spare the flesh. Saul goes down, wipes him out. Wipes out with his army, but he spares the king. His name was Agag. And he brought back the king. He brought back some sheep. And he also brought back oxen. Boy, he didn't follow any orders at all, did he? And Samuel goes out running to meet Saul. And out of everything Saul could have said to him, this is what Saul said. Turn and worship me. But Samuel said, what is that I hear? The bleeding of the sheep and lowing of the cattle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll I, I, I spare some things and, and I, I brought back some, some oxen and some sheep. I also brought back the king. Hmm. Samuel said, oh, yeah. We cannot worship God as long as we're making provisions for the flesh. We cannot do it. You know why some folks frown and push their lips out while others are shouting and enjoying God? I'll tell you why. Because they got things in their life that they don't want to surrender to God. That's why. And it has robbed them of their opportunity to worship in spirit and truth. You cannot spare and love and feed the flesh and worship God at the same time. Doesn't the Bible say that we're, we're in a war going on inside of us? The flesh against the spirit? You can't serve one of them. You can't serve them both. No man can serve two masters. You're either walking in the flesh or you're worshiping God in the spirit. So here's our problem. We want to walk in the flesh all week. Then we want to walk in the Spirit on Sunday. I know it's a hard truth. I've heard it a million times before. Took me a long time. Thank God He's with me, see me through it. You cannot do it. 
You cannot have a swear jar and compare notes at the end of the day. Well, I didn't put as much money in as you did. Did you really accomplish something that day? You can't leak it up. Now, God's, uh, God said worship is wrong when it's done that way. And Samuel said, oh, you want me to worship? No problem. Where's that king? Oh, Agag. They brought him forward. Samuel said, y'all want to worship? No problem. Where's a sword? Somebody got a sword? Huh, a sword? Yeah, a sword. Here's what your Bible said. He hewed him in pieces. Now, you listen, you young people. You know what that means? He cut him up in chunks. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm trying to be truthful. He didn't just stab him. He hacked him in pieces, threw the bloody sword on his carcass, and said, now let's praise the Lord. That's tough. I can see by some of your faces, you've never heard that story before. I can tell you how to get back on ground with worship. I can tell you how to get back in fellowship with God. I can tell you how to get closer to the Lord than you've ever been. Start cutting some things out of your life that you know is a hindrance to you. You've got to do it. It's not just lip service. You've got to do it. Some of you is as far as you're ever going to go until you cut some of those things out of your life that's displeasing to God. Nothing discourages the preacher more to have a meeting and get everybody get fired up and two weeks later you're back in that same rut again. That's not the pastor's fault. That's not the evangelist's fault. That's not the Lord's fault. Here's what happens. God stirred you That's what the word revival means. He rekindled a fire in you. He revealed to you some things that you need to cut up and get out of your life. You've rebelled and said, well, I like worshiping God, but I ain't going that far. So it drains you spiritually and puts you right back in the same rut you were in before the revival ever took off. Oh, how truthful that is, friends. You ought to start praying, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It doesn't matter what the Lord wants you to give up. It's worth it to be able to get in the glory to see the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. One glimpse of Him is worth everything that's displeasing in His sight. You cannot worship God living in the flesh. Worshiping God is wrong when you lean on the flesh. Tired, but I'm feeling pretty good now. Some of you are twitching and fidgeting, and I love every minute of it. Number four, worshiping God is wrong when it limits your faith. First Kings 18, Elijah goes on top of the mountain. There are 400 false prophets that just graduated out of Jezebel's university. Then there are 450 compromising Internomodinational nothing, spiritual retardedness that have graduated from Barrel Seminary. So you've got 850 false prophets and Elijah by himself. 
That's about the ratio we're in now. For every one true man of God, you've got about 850 fakes and phonies. Let's just be honest. That's why it's so difficult to find a pastor for this church. You can't be hasty. You've got to pray about it. They're not just out there on a street corner, but the Lord will provide if His people are faithful to Him. You cut that flesh out of your life. So, Elijah goes up on top of Mount Carmel, talking about worship limiting your faith. Elijah made a deal. We're going to build two wooden altars. You're going to build one, and so am I. We're going to take two bullocks. You take either one of them. He gives them first pick. Get the prettiest one you ever want to see. I'll take that one, no problem. We're going to cut them up, lay them on the wooden altar. I said, wooden altar! And lay them on that wooden altar. And here's what we're going to prove who the real God of Israel is. We're going to pray fire come down from heaven. And the God that consumes the altar and the sacrifice be the true God. They said, you have a deal, Elijah. Elijah said, y'all go first. So he sits back, gets him under a shade tree, and he starts watching them. And they commence to worship it. Now, they're sincere. They're sincere what they're doing now. They prayed half a day to their God. Elijah got tickled. He said, hey, you think maybe your God went on vacation this week and forgot to tell you? Still no answer. Their God hadn't done anything. Hey, you reckon, uh, yell louder. Maybe his hearing aid batteries went out. Nothing. They're going nuts. Elijah started taunting them like that. When he started making fun of him, now they're worshiping. They started crying out loud and cutting themselves and bleeding out. Talking about limiting your faith, they're worshiping the Bible and they leaped on the altar. Now, you wait a minute. If I'm praying that fire come down and consume that altar, and I really believe fire could come down and consume that altar, I wouldn't be standing on the altar. But when you don't have the faith and your worship is wrong and it's limiting your faith, that's what happens. You do stupid stuff. But when your worship is is right, it expands, it grows, it produces the fruit of faith. Let me illustrate real faith and worship. Genesis chapter 22. You remember Abraham? I'm going to get a story one of you's heard before. You remember Abraham took Isaac on top of the mountain? He was at the bottom of the mountain. He he waited 100 years for that boy. He's now 18. Here's what Abraham said. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. But Abraham's worshiping the right way. And Isaac looked at him and said, Daddy, there's the wood there in the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham told him, God shall supply himself a sacrifice. Amen? 
I said he shall supply himself a sacrifice. Now Abraham went to sacrifice his son, but his faith was right in his worship. And the young man that they had left the jackasses with at the bottom to wait, this is what Abraham said to them. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Finally, amen, is what he said. Yeah, I love it. He had enough faith to believe that if he obeyed God and sacrificed his son, that God was faithful enough to raise his son and give him back to him again. It's what I'm trying to tell you, people. I say when you worship his right, it doesn't limit your faith. It expands your faith. Now, watch this. Worshiping God is wrong when it leaves out truth. John chapter 12. We're getting in the New Testament. Maybe we've read that. When Jesus rode in on the triumphal entry and he came in on the cobblestone streets through the open gates of the beautiful gate, one of the practices of worship is called palm leaves. They're about a foot wide, two to three feet long. And all the children of Israel in Jerusalem had those palm leaves. And they threw them on the ground. And Jesus was on that ass's colt that never been ridden before. And he entered in through the beautiful gate. The palm leaves were so thick that the hooves on that colt never touched those cobblestone streets. I wish I was in a service of worship about that thick. And it was so thick, and they were screaming at the top of their lungs, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to God in the highest. They're shouting, worshiping's that deep. But wait a minute. Before those palm leaves ever wilted, That same crowd was yelling, let his blood be upon us and our children. Crucify him! Crucify him! You know when worship is wrong. Oh yeah. They wanted to stand on worship that deep. They sure did. But they didn't want the truth. We want to crucify the truth. We want to get the truth out of here. Don't want it around us. Just let us shout. Some of you are looking pale. There's something wrong with worship if it makes you mad when somebody tells you the truth. If you shout during song service and pout when somebody's preaching, there is something wrong with your worship. When you were worshiping God in spirit and in truth, when somebody presents truth, the inner man responds to it and says, Amen, that's right, that's the gospel, that's the word of God. I agree with that. That's what God says it is. You don't get mad every time somebody preaches the word of God if your worship is right. You're watching CNN news too much. You're fact-checking. In the middle of a sentence. So I've got to close. I'm out of time and out of breath. I want to worship God. I really do. But I know that it's got to be done right. So give me something that's right. 
When Jesus gives us the depths of something that's important, usually in the book, at least one chapter is designated to that specific issue. But it's amazing, worship is only mentioned one other time in this whole chapter. And if you'll read about it later in verse 23 of Matthew, remember I told you to keep that index finger in Matthew. It's about a Syrophoenician woman. She's a half-breed. She's a Gentile. She comes to Jesus because her daughter has a demon in her. And the Bible says she worshipped the Lord. Now, if you read that story carefully, and I can't for the second time, there's three things in that story that illustrate to me what real worship will do. Here's how you worship God right. When she approached the Lord, she said, I got a need. And the Lord said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up a minute. I don't care what you got, lady. Aren't you a Syrophoenician woman from Canaan? She said, yeah. He said, don't you know I'm only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel right now? I'm not fooling with Gentiles. You're a half-breed. You're an outcast. You talk about a racist. Jesus said, I'm, I'm only reaching Jews right now. Oh, that would blow up the liberal news media, wouldn't it? For Jesus to say, if you're not a Jew, I'm not interested in it. Some of you are looking pale. There, there must be a virus around Newton. Jesus said he came to his own and his own received him not. talking about a racial statement but it gets worse he said you're a dog <laughs> ACLU and everybody else is hollering now Jesus called this woman a Gentile dog and she never denied it she never got mad about it she said you know what I am a dog ABC, admit, I am a dog. And the dog gets the crumbs from the master's table. I'll tell you what, Jesus, if I'm going to be a dog, I'm going to be your dog. Amen. And I'm not leaving here till you answer my prayer. You know the first step to worshiping God, right? Acknowledging what you are. Don't feel sorry for her. We're all a bunch of dogs outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what brings you into the proper worship is realizing that everything you are and everything you ever hope to be is by His grace and His grace alone. And without His grace, we're all a bunch of dogs. If you just acknowledge what you are and who He is, that's real worship. Number two, when you worship God, right, not only acknowledge who you are, but start interceding for other people. When she got into the presence of the Lord, she didn't tell the Lord anything about her personal problems. She started bringing the request of somebody else. Somebody said recently, I wish our church would start reaching people. i tell you how to get to church, start reaching people. Start worshiping God right you start worshiping God right and you'll get your eyes off your own personal problems and concerns 
and start looking at the problems and the heartaches of others and the difficulties and tragedies that go on in their lives. When you worship God right, the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You start looking on other people that are less fortunate. Don't stop at your household door and those inside. Go beyond that to see His blessings. You will quit having pity parties. You'll realize how blessed you are and how good God really is and you'll start praying and interceding for other people that don't know God. Have a burden. Pray for a burden for the lost of someone. You come across folks like that every day. If you're not help to them, they're lost and going to hell. Seize that opportunity. You don't know. You can't see their heart. But God can. Now, number three, real worship is impartial because of blessings. Well, I was asking you about that King James Bible a while ago. Look in chapter 15. Watch verse 25. Chronological order now. Then came she, when Jesus finally allowed her to come. Now watch this. The first thing she did was she worshipped him. After she worshipped him, then she said, help me. See, when worship is right, it's impartial according to blessings. Here's what I'm saying. She gets in the presence of Jesus. She said, I'm a dog. I confess. I've got other people that have problems. I'm not worried about me. And I'm worshiping God in spirit and truth. And then after that, she said, by the way, I've got a daughter that needs some help. You know what she's showing us? She's saying, Jesus, I didn't come to worship you because of what you can do. I'm going to come worship you because I ask you to do anything. I'm here to worship you because of who you are. Who you are. You know what real worship is? Real worship is getting to the point where you start loving Jesus for who he is and not because of what he does. If you were to ask anyone to give a personal testimony, this is probably what something you might would hear. I want to thank God for my house. And a house is a wonderful thing. I'm not against you owning a home. But does that mean God is not good to those that do not have a house? You have to stop and think sometimes. Get off you. Get off your high horse, as the old saying goes. See, you're equating God to being good by the tangible things that you have. You say, I want to thank God. He's worthy of my worship because I got a new car. Hmm. I'm not against you having a new car. I said I'm not against it. I hope you have one so long it has to have a hinge in the middle to take a curve. 
I'm not against that. But I just saw a missionary video of the Philippines not long ago. Nobody had a car there. So what does that mean to you? Is what I'm trying to say. Does that mean God's not good to them? Oh, excuse me. Brother Wynn got me all teary-eyed this morning. Snot. I saw a picture of 14 people living in a cardboard box in Honduras. Does that mean God's not good to them? Don't even get on this nation we're in right now. What's going to take place? Just pray. Pray. There was a man preaching to about 700 people, and he was the only one that could afford a pair of shoes. Does that mean God's not good to them? Somebody said, well, I worship God. I want to thank him for my health. And health is a wonderful thing. So do I. But does that mean those in the hospitals that are sick can't worship God? Stop and think. You see how anemic we are? How anemic we are in our worship? We worship God according to what he does for us. Many marriages are put together that way. Husbands and wives can love each other because of what they do for one another. But really the essence is loving each other for who you are. Whether they ever do anything for you or not. And real worship is coming to his presence and saying, I'm a dog. I want to look upon the needs of somebody else. I want to tell you something, Jesus. I'm just here to praise you because of who you are. What a blessed thing to be able to do that. When I was here last, we talked about salvation, being born again, being adopted into the family of God. I think being born again puts you in the family of God. Adoption is God's promise that will never be cut out of it. Isn't that a blessing? I know what heaven looks like. I've read the Bible. Folks as laws can't say that. I know what my eternal home is going to be like. Those laws can't say that. They don't even know they'll be in hell for the most part of it. That's where we come in. We've got to be the witnesses out there. Go ye therefore to all nations. Is that what he said? Why don't we do it? If you never do anything else for me, if you never answer a prayer, if you never perform a vehicle, if you never heal my body, if you never give me a new car, if I never get another new suit, if I never get another new dress, I'm going to worship you, God, for who you are. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm sick of worshiping you because of what you do. If we get back to worshiping God for who he is, a revival could break out. Don't we pray for a revival all the time? I pray for a good church service. And you have to Facebook people to let you know churches this morning. It is Sunday, isn't it? 
That's where we've that's where we've become. That next generation needs to be taught that. Don't let them make the decision for them. You're the parent. So uh, this morning, I don't know of a better way to get started than to get our worship started off right. I'm not coming to this altar this morning to thank God for all he does for me. That's thankfulness. And you ought to be thankful unto the Lord. People are already, what did he just say a while ago? See what I'm saying? Get critical. You ought to be thankful unto the Lord. But don't stop there. But worship is praising him because he's God. And there is none other. That's real worship. That's real worship. That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning, good people. I've had to learn the hard way. Believe you me, I've learned the hard way. No matter what goes on in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, the Bible says give thanks unto all, to him. He's the master of all. And if you've given your life truly to him, there's no option of what you should be doing inside these walls, outside these walls, being a witness for him. Would you please stand, please? I just want to ask you a simple question. When was the last time you worshiped God right? Todd don't know what he's talking about. He don't, don't know what he's talking about. He's from out yonder in the country somewhere. He don't know that. that King James Bible is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. I've read the same words I'm sure you've read before. You've got to obey those words. That's the difference. You've got to obey those words. Uh, if y'all playing anything or... But what I'm trying to tell you is when's the last time you worship God right? Truly, truly, on a daily basis, not when you leave here and before when we start service. 9.55, start being holier than thou. God knows. I'm not, I'm not trying not to beat you up. I'm telling you, I'm, God knows. We have to keep being reminded that God knows. Y'all remember the days when this church was packed to the brim? Didn't y'all expand so many years ago because of it? How beautiful what God has done. Again, what he's given us. Because who he is, we need to get back to that. Spread the word of his good news. Y'all go ahead if you will. Just but if you have a need, if you have it, if you need to come to this altar, stay right there where you are. We've got people with parents with issues. We've got brothers and sisters with issues. You've got issues. It doesn't matter. And Just as I am. How many times have we heard that? We've sung that same song. 